episode 247, Churches as Buildings. This is the Ericast for the week of November 9, 2014. From Ericast.com. Welcome to the Ericast. Well, welcome back to the Ericast, the weekly podcast that comes out about once a month. That's uh, not our official slogan, but kind of it's, that's that's how things have been going lately. So that might might end up adopting that. Um, I'm your host Eric Larson. Two zero six three three nine three seven four two is still the listener feedback line, as has been the case since two thousand five. So do give that a call. Uh, let us know what you think. Which sounds a little bit premature, but later on in the podcast, are you thinking, "Wow, I would love to call, but don't remember that listener feedback line because two zero six three three nine Eric just isn't quite memorable enough." You can just play it right back from the beginning, and within the the first minute, you you get the number right back. It's kind of convenient. And if this is your first time here, we describe we the majestic we because it's really just me. Uh, describe the Ericast as a personal podcast, meaning that uh, either you know me, Eric Larson, of the Ericast, and you want to know what's going on in my life or what thoughts have occurred to me or what I've been pondering or variations on the words thoughts, or you've bumbled into this because of some particular topic and thought that was interesting and, and you know want you know think oh I've I found a niche on like church architecture. It's a church architecture podcast. No, it's really not. But maybe you'll stick around for the next episode and see what else I've, I've come up with. But today we're talking about um, kind of we're we're, mi- we're mixing in the theologizing side of the Ericast. A um, couple basic personal details because we do like to be sort of timely here. Um, I mentioned way back in October. Yeah, I'm beginning to fight a cold. Well, it it kind of it it took root in this root root root. That's a, that'd be a good word of the week. How do you remember the word of the week back from, you know, circa 2005, 2006? Where you pick a word like niche versus niche and then discuss it? Oh, good times in podcasting. I, you know, I saw a tweet today, someone talking about the resurgence of podcasting. Um, I don't, I don't know. Is, is, did it ever really, really disappear? To resurge, you need it not surged in the first place. But, um, I don't, I've always been here. Um, Steve Borsch commented on that. You know, I've been podcasting virtually nonstop since 2005, though I'm first to point out that there are some really long hiatuses, or hiati, as I suppose the Latin plural might be, or perhaps not. Um, so anyway, that cold kind of took root, didn't do any of the, the deep, impressive um, in a world stuff. I, I couldn't quite do that. Um, basically, just some coughing and and lots of extra sleep. But here in Minnesota, uh, we just had our first winter storm. Uh, there's a lot of debate about uh, you know as it was coming in, like you know, you know they're predicting like you know six to twelve inches, maybe twelve to eighteen inches of snow here in the Twin Cities metropolitan area. Well, that didn't exactly happen. Um, and I've seen some Facebook friends and say you know people say you know <laughs> yeah. Boy, that was overblown. They sure don't know, you know, what's going on, etc. Well, in northwestern Wisconsin, like if you head like maybe like 50 or 70 miles northwest of here, um, they got 12 to 18 inches of snow. So it's, it's not like it was, you know, completely, you know, 12 to 18 inches of snow were predicted. And instead we had highs in the fifties and, you know, sunny. It's like, no, we got a storm. It's just it kind of depends on where that band of moisture gets pumped into. So I, I have a, uh, I have a lot of sympathy for the meteorologists who are trying to predict these, these sorts of things. Um, we got, uh, down here in the Southern 
suburbs of the Twin Cities metro. Um, got maybe an inch of snow and some ice. I don't, I, I mean, no one likes any of it. You know, I was going to say, I don't like ice. That's kind of a, you know, who does, I guess. Um, but yeah, the ice storm side of things worries me. It loads the trees down. It's, it makes the road super slippery. Um, but anyway, so that's, that was, that's the, that's the exciting local update for folks like Matt in California who've only read about snow on in textbooks and, and see it on the news. Um, gotta tease you, Matt. Um, happy birthday, by the way. I think it's your birthday, right? I think someone's birthday. I'm going to say it's yours. So happy birthday, Matt. Um, anyway, we got some snow. They're predicting a cold snap, so I don't know if it'll melt off or not. But anyway, enough talk about the weather, but that's what we do here in Minnesota. We do talk about the weather. It's kind of a key thing. So the topic today, kind of extending off of, off of our last episode. This summer, um, there was a, a church in western Wisconsin, about 45 minutes east of here maybe, that got torn down. That's, that's the short answer. Uh, Peace Lutheran Church got, got torn down. Um, was about 100, 109, 110 years old. Um, it was a, it was a red concrete block structure. It wasn't brick, but it was, you know, painted, you know, it was concrete, but painted red. Um, based on the video, it took a lot to tear it down, but the reason they tore it down is because it was deteriorating and it needed a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of work to repair it. And the church said, um, by a vote of, um, I think I have the number here, a hundred and something to, hundred and something to whatever. Let me give you some real numbers here. Um, in fact, I'll read you the story from, uh, Care 11, our, our local NBC affiliate with, uh, Boyd Hooper, who does excellent news stories. Um, the, the local, like the local people, um, Worked with the historical society. They had secured like eighty thousand dollars worth of funds, um, offered to to you know purchase the church, um, you know maybe like buy that chunk of you know land or lease the land and indemnify the the church, etc. Like the 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 congregation. Um, earlier this month, um, that was in June, uh, church leaders decided to tear down the building because repairs would cost too much. But others are on a mission to stop those plans. It's beautiful. It's an old landmark, said Jim Platson, part of the group organizing to try to stop demolition of the building south of Baldwin, that's Baldwin, Wisconsin, uh, known in the community as the Red Church. Platson was among several demolition opponents who picketed outside Sunday services following a 113 to 19 vote by members of the Peace, of Peace Lutheran to tear down the Red Church. Peace Lutheran pastor John Hansen says it's just time. His congregation moved into a new church behind the Red Church five years ago, um, which, as an aside, is, is kind of like a, a, a modern, you know, um, what we would call a pole barn style building here. Um, it, it, you know, it is what it is. It's not particularly gracefully beautiful, but whatever. Uh, he says the Red Cement Block Church is a hazard because it's falling apart. It's a difficult thing, but we have to deal with it, Hansen said. But not so fast, say opponents. It's not like we're tearing down the neighborhood gas station, you know what I mean, said Platson. It's one of a kind, really. 
Demolition opponents are asking for a month or two to organize and raise money. The group wants to move the church to a different site and restore it, as was done with another old church slated for demolition up the road. A contractor who inspected the red church told them it can be done. Hansen believes it's a pipe dream. He says the needed masonry work alone could, ex- work alone could exceed $200,000. Money better spent, he says, on projects like the church's work with AIDS orphans in Kenya. It's a sanctuary. It's a place of worship. And they are saying it's a landmark. I disagree, Hansen said. I am pausing and placing emphasis on particular syllables because I'm coming back to that point. Um, Hansen said pieces of the church will be moved to the new worship space, but that's not enough to satisfy opponents. When it's gone, it's gone forever said Chuck Searer, who was baptized in the Red Church 70 years ago. Peace Lutheran had planned to start moving pews on Sunday, but delayed that work until an asbestos abatement is complete. Um, Hansen points out that many of those opposing the teardown are not members of his church. Opponents argue that shouldn't matter because they consider the church a community landmark. Um, and what's funny is the final quote is, We're praying, we're praying hard, said Malloy. But I hate news stories like this because I don't see any reference to a Malloy earlier in the story, which is kind of strange to have a random quote attributed to someone. You know, all the news that fits, you know, you just kind of hack that off. Um, anyway, so there's the basics of the story. In a long story short, they, they tore the church down. Okay, so this is where it gets theological. Um, because I... I like historical preservation. I am very, very keen on the when it's gone, it's gone forever. Um, therefore, don't get rid of it. I mean, there's, that's that's the logical conclusion from that. Um, do not do the you know when in doubt tear it down thing. But here's the counter argument. Okay, if the the faith of Peace Lutheran Church is true. Um, and if you know me in the podcast at all, you happen to know I believe that. I, I you know, believe in the Christian worldview. Okay. So if that's the case, then fundamentally, a 109-year-old building really doesn't matter. In the context of eternity, it has no value. The lives and souls of people in Kenya or whatever do have infinitely more value than the building. And... Continuing with this argument, which I don't really agree with, but it's an awkward one to, to confront. Um, you know, through the years, and I, I'm not, I've, I haven't show prepped on this, so call me at 206-339-3742 if you want me to, to do another show on this. But the concept of iconography and iconoclast movements that are destroying icons, you know, over the centuries of, of, Christian theology. I'm assuming that iconography is uniquely Christian. I don't think you'd talk about, you know, ancient Egyptian iconography. I don't really, th- I think it's, I think it's, I think that term really does fundamentally apply to, to Christianity. That notion of, look, we want people focusing on the, um, the reality, the truth of this, um, physically intangible thing. And when people get more focused on, a physical representation of it, um, like you know, a religious icon, some sort of imagery. Um, not only do we not support that, but we would need to actively act against that to say, no, you've got it wrong. You, you're focusing on the wrong thing. So in that sense, 
the community's argument of this church building is a is a landmark, and we were you know we were baptized here, but it's a, it's a community thing. It's valuable to the community. Not only would not move the current congregation, but would actually be ammunition against maintaining that building. Because the argument would be, okay, community, you are misunderstanding what the church is. The Christian church is not a building. The church is the people and represents the body of Christ in the, in the Christianese, in, in the metaphor. And so the fact that you're so hung up on this building means that we need to get rid of it because you're, you're misunderstanding what the church is and we need to make a statement. Now, I would counter the counter-argument with, well, the, the body of the church, the people, the, 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 the souls that have an eternal destiny, you know, the, 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 the humans who are doing God's work by serving people in Kenya are part of a tradition. Now, depending on your denomination, different, different denominations place a different emphasis on tradition, but they are part of a tradition. That tradition is embodied in a local community which had a building. I mean, there were, there were people who, who dedicated, um, you know, blood, sweat and tears to the building of this building as a representation of a gathering place in which important, um, community events occurred, not just community events like, you know, yeah, let's go down to the pool hall or the bar or, you know, dance hall or whatever, but community events like weddings and baptisms that represent a covenant relationship with the God of the universe. And there is merit to honoring and respecting the historical location where those things occurred. And doubling down on the weird theology, I know I've lost most most of you, but but, but bear, bear with me. If you go back to the Old Testament, and there are some, you know, the miracles of of of, of the, you know, Israel, Israelites, and you know, the things they did and where they went to, whatever. And there are plenty of references where they said, "Okay, you know, set a monument here, pile up some stones, do something so that you remember this day, these these things that occurred." So, and I suppose then you could. How many counter arguments? You know, how many, how many, how many hands or tentacles of the octopus of an argument have I made here? You could make the argument of, well, that's great for the Old Testament, Eric, but we are not Jewish. We are Christian in a Judeo-Christian tradition. And therefore, you don't see, you, and I think this is true. If, if you're a better theologian than I am, feel free to, to call in and contribute. But you don't see that sort of, of physical monument being, um, repeated or codified or emphasized or, 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 or re-upped in the New Testament. Um, so you could make the argument of, well, with the coming of Christ, et cetera, um, there's, there's no longer a need for that, um, those physical memorials. And again, they're dangerous because people get more focused on the memorial than what it represents. I don't know. It was really interesting. It, you can, it, 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 it really bothered me isn't the right word, but it affected me pretty deeply this, um, this summer when there was that, um, because the reality is the building wasn't in that bad shape. Um, 
the funds were around to to repair it, etc. Um, and the argument of the 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 Peace Lutheran congregation is it's our building to do with as we see fit. And the community said, well, is it really? I, I, hmm. It is a community asset. So the concept of, of the church being in the world but not of it, but still being a light to its community, um, it just was, it was really interesting and, and embodied in um, what was a very pretty old building, which is now gone. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Let me know what you think on that. Uh, 206-339-3742, um, listener feedback line. Lots of different, uh, lots of different directions to take this conversation. So, um, so chime in and, uh, if you want to go either the, the theological direction or the historic preservation direction, I'd, I'd really love to know what you think. It's Eric Larson's Dweeb Thoughts on the Eracast. Meeting people where they're at, that's kind of a typical slogan or saying, but contrast it against the build it and they will come. So for this Dweeb Thought, I know it's been a long time since I've I've recorded one of these, but um, <laughs> better, better late than never, better never than not at all, something like that. Uh, I was thinking about you know, online systems, um, typically like community management, but I suppose could apply to a lot of other stuff. Uh, if you have a club and organization, the idea of building a, a bulletin board, the old days we used to use PHP, BB, um, some sort of thing of, hey, if you're part of this model airplane club, come to this site and log in to this bulletin board and post. When they were rare, that's... I mean, there weren't any other options, so that that was your option, and that's what people did. But now that I never say everybody, but everybody who cares to be engaged in a online social world is probably on Facebook. Is that fair enough? Do you do the build it and they will come? I'm still going to have my own system over here. Uh, for me, in the um, the uh, faith-based communities, table project was something I was really excited about because it it filled a niche. Um, and some gaps that uh, that Facebook really couldn't. But the problem is, is I don't think people really engaged in it because if you're going to be online looking at something, you're probably going to be on Facebook. So unless you have a really focused and passionate community that says, I so care about model airplanes or whatever, I'm not going to spend my time on Facebook. I'm going to log into, you know, modelairplaneteam.us and spend all my time posting there which a few people do, but I'm not sure that's really normative. So rather than the, if you build it, they will come and, and drive people over to, to a particular site or tool, I'm sort of thinking the meet them where they're at, find where your, your folks are already engaging, and then just engage there, which sounds pretty obvious, but it does help kind of direct um, how you step in and engage with a community. Because you might build this wonderful tool and say, I want everybody using... Pick your app. Um, iPhone apps. What's the one from uh, the Twitter folks um, for the life man? Won't be able to remember it. Where you were supposed to click through and and help people out and answer questions. Um, got some traction, but not a whole lot. Because again, it's it's another separate thing that people would have to launch and go into. Um, so I'm both intrigued slash enthused and a little worried because if you have to 
to frame or reduce all of your engagements to something that works in a particular venue. You know, well, we really got to do it all on Facebook, so I guess we can't send a poll. We have to do a whatever. I don't know. Um, thumb up if you agree and comment if you disagree. Remember those? Yeah. Um, that might be a little bit limiting. Sort of a chilling effect on engagement if all of your engagements have to happen in one place. On the other hand, some engagement is better than nothing, so doing it within the tool where your people are, which might not be Facebook, it's a convenient example, but it might be Twitter, might be Yammer at your company, it might, uh, email still tends to be the fairly ubiquitous, the problem is it also then gets pretty cluttered, so I'm not sure if that's a good choice either. Lots to ponder, and I figured, you know what, I'm pondering it, I'm going to throw it out into the Dweeb Thoughts feed. So uh, there you go. Thanks for listening, and you uh, know, as always, 206-339-3742, a.k.a. 206-339-ERIC, uh, if you would like to uh, to call in, comment, uh, share your thoughts on this topic, I'd love to hear from you. And now, back to the Ericast. Yeah, I have to admit, the, uh, the past few minutes which just don't exist for you, but to do for me in the editing process. Um, I thought I had a Eric Larson's dweeb thoughts from uh, Matt Goodell, our, our announcer, with that background music, but I didn't. So I, I had to recreate that one. But uh, there's I, every so often I think about, you know, do I need to sort of you know, re-up, revitalize, revamp the Ericast sound? And I think, you know, I kind of like that, the old traditional Aircast sound, and it's kind of fun to go back to, to the original files and, and re-edit. So that was, that was sort of copied and pasted and reassembled in this episode, right in Audacity in the, in the timeline, which then made me think, I wonder if that's why I don't have the clip already is. Maybe I did that last time. I don't know. Anyway. I'm going to wrap up this episode because we're, we're past the 20 minute mark. Um, Matt, that's kind of, you know, fitting in with your commute, commute time there. Yes, this really is. It's all dedicated to Matt. All of our episodes are, are Matt focused. That's not true. But, um, but 20 minutes is the mark I try to, try to sort of hit. So you've been told everything you need to, to be told. I've asked you to call back, uh, 206-339-3742, listener feedback line. You know that. So that's everything you need to know. I always promise I'm going to try to get these out more regularly. It, it sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't, so I'm not going to promise that. I'm not going to say until next week. I'm hoping there will be something next week. I have a whole list of topics. Don't even know which one to tackle first. Um, but I'm just going to, I'm going to roll with what we currently have. Who knows what the coming week will bring. And I'll just say, until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Ericast from Ericast.com. Visit us at www.ericast.com.